0: The Posting Up podcast is brought to you by T. Rowe Price. Are you looking to learn a thing or two about getting your finances in order, saving, and investing? Check out The Confident Wallet, a personal finance podcast series by T. Rowe Price and the Washington Post Brand Studio. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, welcome to Posting Up, the Washington Post NBA podcast. I'm your host, Tim Bontemps, national editor for the Washington Post, with somebody hammering upstairs above my apartment. This should be interesting. Uh, And uh, on the line with me today, really happy to say, is Rob Perez. Uh, Worldwide Wob is how I think everybody knows him, from Twitter, and maybe the best Twitter account of basketball media. And uh, also uh, the co-host of Buckets on... uh, Uh, What is what is what exactly is it on ESPN on what's the best way to describe buckets in terms of where it's located?
1: Yeah, we're, we're a co branded show that can be found on uh, Cycle, which is network and also ESPN. So they we we have joined forces in creating not only additional content but buckets as well.
0: Well, there you go. That's uh, that's a very professional, very professional uh, introduction on the on the channel. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't know it off the top of my head. So I, I only got one chance to make a first impression. <laughs> here. I got to come off as professional, and then they'll get to know me as we progress. <laughs> I got. Um, well, I mean, you're on a podcast that is attempting to be professional. While there is someone for some reason at uh, before nine a.m. on the West Coast hammering the hell out of something about my apartment, so uh, this could be this could be an interesting pop. But uh, any any basketball fan, I think at this point is is quite familiar with your hilarious work on Twitter. Um, I, I guess just uh, out of curiosity, wh- where did um, how did your kind of path to this point start, and where you now become kind of I think it's safe to say the de facto, uh, you know, person people go to when something funny happens in a game to see how you're going to react to it.
1: Right. Well, first and foremost, appreciate the compliment. You gassing me up. Wow, it's true. I I, I got it delivered now. But um, yeah, you know, everyone's got, I think, has a unique story. I don't think you can just do X, Y and Z and become the next Bob Costas or something or the next Tim Bontemps. I think you have to create your own, (laughs) you create your own path. Uh, For me specifically, uh, I had always been an NBA fan for as long as I can remember. I went to college at North Carolina Chapel Hill, so obviously basketball was a big deal there, and I knew I wanted to work in the NBA some some way, somehow. Uh, I ended up getting a gig because when I graduated in 2009, that was in the heart of the recession where nobody could get a job out of college doing anything. So the fact that I was able to score a very entry-level opportunity with the once New Orleans Hornets doing basic ticket sales, I took that, took that job just because I knew if I performed really well, maybe I could go up through the ladder and be a part of the organization. Uh, for me, just working for the team in general was a big deal. So I got, I got the job, did great. I was there for a couple of years. I can't tell you can't remember what happens because living in New Orleans for the first time in my life between the age of 21 <laughs> and 23. I mean, I'm, honestly, a, I'm happy that I'm so
0: I'm honestly happy I'm talking to you today at that point. Yeah,
1: it's, it's a it's a blur. Those two years are a blur. But it was a great experience because I got to learn not only the ins and outs of uh, just working in an NBA team, but the ticket business as well. So uh, selling these season tickets and the Hornets weren't the greatest team in the world. They were like a fringe playoff contender. What, what
0: years were you there for that?
1: 2009 through 2012
0: so the end of the uh, the yeah. end of the the end of the Chris Paul run that
1: right so I got there just after they made the second round and they lost to the Spurs in that famous game six game, or seven game or something seven like, at home yeah. game seven at home yeah so they lost that game and then I came in so things were things were fine I mean tickets were selling <laughs> right so um eventually i ended up leaving the hornets because i saw how much money ticket brokers were making on the other side of the fence because i was selling tickets to them right i'm in the wrong i'm on the wrong side here so i ended up leaving actually starting my own ticket brokerage where i was investing in tickets and reselling them you know just very very basic kind of investment um and then by this point it's what 2012 2013 uh, there was a site called Groupon, which became a huge deal. I don't even know if people know Groupon anymore, but Groupon was a I major th- I deal. I
0: they do. I think it's still a pretty
1: big deal. <laughs> and that Groupon is, was the biggest thing to happen to 2013. So the same way that LinkedIn developed as a professional network to Facebook, uh, my partner and I, we started a website called CrowdSeats, which was the Groupon for sports tickets. You would just come to the website, there'd be a price listed, percentage off, you want it, you click it, and you go. Uh, part of the deal was if it the this website ever got big, I would have to move to Los Angeles to do this full-time with him. And it ended up getting pretty big pretty quickly. So I ended up moving from New York to Los Angeles. Fast forward now to 2015, the website ended, ended up getting acquired, thankfully, by a bigger company. And while I was contracted to be an employee at said company, you know, I was back to kind of these uh, nine to six kind of lifestyle. And it wasn't a 18 right. hours a day shaking the couch to put, find nickels and dimes to pay pay rent with because every dollar that we made at the company, we put back into it. I was sure. eating a whole bunch of ramen. I had a personal <laughs> chef. His name was Boyardee. You know, it, 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 it was it was great. I loved the lifestyle. But now that I had this opportunity to get back to somewhat normal hours and stuff, I'm like, mm-hmm. what am I going to do with my nights? And that's when it turned to the NBA. So now on the West Coast, the NBA is on at four o'clock and it ends at like 10, 1030. As you one, know.
0: The one thing I, I, I miss New York a lot. I'm a New York guy. But the one thing that is amazing about living out here as an NBA person oh, is sports. that the games are from four to ten. It, it, it oh, is life changing.
1: It's amazing. Yeah, especially if, if you have the opportunity to work covering the NBA full time. It's the most perfect hours in the world. So that it just the way it lined up like that, it allowed me to get into uh my passion which is was kind of watching the game and just being a fan of the sport again for so long I was going to the Knicks Pacers games in 1994 and would go out to Indianapolis I watched John Starks walk across the court and dap up Spike Lee at game six Market Square Arena never forget it wow right? so, really so it goes way back I was there oh yeah I mean I, I knew you
0: were a Knicks fan sports. I knew you were a Knicks fan but I didn't know you were traveling for playoff games like that that's that's well, pretty legit well, dad was in
1: sales for NBC Sports, so it gave oh. gave us the
0: opportunity
1: to get, to get there. Yeah, wow, so I'll, I'll that's wild. So yeah, my, my roots go deep with the NBA, and now that I had the opportunity, there's this website called Twitter where I can <laughs> put out my thoughts. I thought it would be a good idea to kind of just share my opinions with the basketball world. And now at this point, we're at 2015, which is, you know, three years ago, and I'm just committing all day, what seems like, to NBA content. So not only Twitter, you know, I've started a, a WordPress blog. I think it was Tumblr back in 2015. I had a Tumblr blog. I was writing all sorts of stuff, but I was doing it at a from a different point of view and a different angle because the Zach Lowe's of the world, anyone that, you know, yourself, anyone that covers the league, the beat writers that were dominating at the time, I'm never going to be those, those, those guys as much as I think I know the game. (laughs) I need to come. If I want to do this from a full time kind of angle and actually make a career out of this, I'm going to have to like plant my flag on a space that hasn't been planted. So just be, once again, being this fanatical fan, what I don't even know how to describe it. I'm able to watch the game in a way that, you know, I'm looking for things like crossovers and pettiness and like Eric Bledsoe checking <laughs> the ball in with J.J. Reddick last night and like nobody's seeing it. And I just started writing about those things and I was writing like hundreds of thousands of words that I knew weren't being seen by anyone really. But when my opportunity did come, I knew I would have a portfolio, <coughs> excuse me, a Rolodex of stuff to show anyone that liked one thing that they saw from me right so that opportunity ended up coming and i'm like here i've spent the last year creating all of this content feel free to choose whatever it is that you want me to do for you and i can make it happen and as technology progressed throughout the years then vine started then periscope started and as soon as these new opportunities i saw them as as vehicles to produce NBA content in a way that hasn't been done before, and that's honestly just been the secret. I don't know if there is a secret sauce. It's just trying to stay unique and it's trying to say different.
0: Yeah, no. Well, I mean, I, I think it's safe to say. I think it's safe to say that you've been able to do that. Um, so, I, I guess. I mean, you talked about you talked about like when you were writing a bunch of stuff. I mean, when did when did the transition to? Because, like, I honestly didn't even know you'd written much of anything. So, like, when did the the transition to uh, the video stuff really start to take off for you then. Yeah, that, that's so that's I think what most people at this point know you from is from all these videos you put up. <laughs> yeah,
1: so that's that's a good question. Um, my my core following, right? You you get your first couple thousand followers, and it's trickle. I never had the the moment where it just like blew up. I didn't have my Ken Bone. Moment from the presidential (laughs) debate where you just like get two hundred and fifty thousand followers overnight. Right. Because you're a viral sensation. Right. This has been a slow drip. And I'm saying I have hundreds of thousands of words that are currently written that no one has ever seen. So the writing I you know, I was a journalism major in, in college. I've always enjoyed writing. It's always been kind of just therapy for me. So I was able to do it and not never feel like a job. Um, and then when I started working for a blog, like the brought me in to start doing NBA stuff. And then when Periscope and Vine started was my opportunity to kind of bring this kind of, I don't want to say cult, but this different fan base of watching basketball the way that I watch it. We were able to go to Periscope and it was 3 a.m. one night on the West Coast and it struck out of the bar or something. And I came back. I'm like, I'm going to give this thing a Periscope a shot. And so I loaded up and then what we like to say on buckets is we've gone from pizza rolls to prime time because the very first (laughs) Periscope that we did was me just making pizza rolls and like being a drunk idiot. I was, I didn't say anything stupid, but I was just like, uh, (laughs) telling, telling my night at the bar, I'm sitting there making pizza rolls, burning my mouth, like any 25 year old ever would. Right. And There was like 50 people in the room watching at 3 a.m. And I'm like, wow, that's actually pretty decent. Maybe if I do this at normal hours and I talk about something of substance, people will come back. And then I did it again and it was 150 people and they were asking questions about basketball. And before you know it, you go six months in the future, that 150 is turning into 500, which is now 1,000, which has become 15,000. Just because they, the the viewers of buckets and the viewers of the periscopes and the Twitter account, I, they get a feeling of being invested since day one. It's been like a story kind of deal, and maybe that's why they keep coming back. Because not not much is different. That's for sure. I've, I pride <laughs> myself on being the same person, you know. And and it's just uh, they feel like they've they're a part of something that, that from the beginning they have ownership in it, uh, especially on the show as well. A lot of the segments that we come up with, right. we brainstorm in these late night periscopes with the comments section as well. So they feel like they're contributing to the show uh, by by brainstorming and thinking of all these unique NBA ideas and these weird conversations we have. So this has more of just become a crowdsourcing type of NBA virtual Reddit. I don't even know how else to describe it.
0: <laughs> I, think, I think that is a pretty... I hadn't thought of it that way, but I, I do think like... Kind of a kind of a video version of NBA Reddit, I think, is kind of a decent way to uh, think about the way that you you kind of watch the game. I mean, because you know that's kind of you know I was I was thinking about this as you were talking, and like that is that is kind of a, a good description of how you like the way your feed is curated, kind of right? I mean, it is kind of like the stuff that pops up like I mean I, I just was flipping through it as we were on here and I the the cell so Redick thing last night is great like that's a perfect example um right. where like you see stuff that other people don't so I like I guess when you I mean obviously you're a huge basketball fan which we'll get into but like when you said that when you talk about like you watch the game this way and you look for stuff like this what like where did that come from like obviously you're a funny guy like if you um were you looking for were you just kind of looking for stuff to have fun with like how did, cause that, that's kind of a, it, like, I think you, I mean, you said it at some point in there, it's kind of a unique perspective on how to watch the game and like a different way to look at it. Was that a, was that a natural thing you always were kind of inclined towards or was it uh, specifically, Hey, I got to try to find a way to stand out. And this is something that nobody's doing or a combination it's, of both.
1: It's definitely both. So from, again, I knew the only way that if I wanted to continue to do this full time was I needed to give people a reason to, go out of their way to click on my page or come to my timeline. And that was not by putting out a, the same highlights that you could see on every website in America. I'm going to have to find things about basketball that people know exist, but they aren't being delivered to it in a content form. So if you combine that business mindset with, I'm just that guy at the at the pickup court that enjoys crossovers and waving a white towel around their head in a helicopter (laughs) motion and talking trash and imitating Charles Oakley in the post. You know, that's just my personality. So when you're able to combine the two, I think I was able to find the perfect medium or the formula to to make content out of that, because everything you see on the timeline isn't catered to. Uh, this specific audience. It's just me talking. This is the way I would talk <laughs> uh, as if you were like we were talking before this podcast. Right. Started. Right. You know, that's just that's just who I am. So uh, the authenticity of the viewing experience that I provide to you through this Twitter platform is meant to be if you're sitting next to me on my couch, just watching the game with me. Those are the things I'm looking for that not everyone else is. Right. And that's always my biggest recommendation to anyone that's trying to do this full time is to like think of something that, whether it's the Washington Post, Bleacher Report, any of these websites out there that are they're currently doing, you're gonna have to f- give them a reason to hire you because there's so much talent out there now. Yep. Everybody can write. Everybody has a podcast. Everyone can go on Periscope. Yep. But what makes you different? And when you think of it, you're gonna know it. You're going to know it the second it happens, but that's the hardest thing for anyone out there when it comes to career advice to to like not only brainstorm but execute.
0: No, listen that that is that is as good advice as you can give anybody. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm sure you have people ask you about stuff. I have people ask me stuff all the time, and and that yeah, I mean that that's you can't really that you have to find a way to differentiate yourself because, like you said, especially with the way. Things have become so egalitarian. I mean, like you said, you just started basically a periscope, you know, doing pizza rolls drunk one night and like saw what the potential for it was. And like that, the way things have kind of flattened out now, where everybody has the ability to do this stuff, you do have to find a way to, um, to make yourself unique. And I, I think, I think it's very safe to say that you, um, that you've been able to do that. I just, as I just scroll through while you're talking on your, on your timeline and see like the, the Rockets kid from Saturday night. I mean, there's just, just nonstop. <laughs> there's not stop polarity, but I, one thing I, one thing I wanted to ask you about this, how, when there's like eight games on in a night, um, how are you watching games? Cause when I watch <laughs> your feed, I, you seem to be on top of four or five games at once. Um, and it always amazes me that you're bouncing from game to game and you're you're ripping highlights all over the place. So without if I don't know if you don't want to like give away any trade secrets, that's fine. But, <laughs> no, well, but it's I, really it... But I am curi- I am curious how you're able to keep up with all of it at once, because I, I have trouble just watching three or four games at the same time bouncing around, let alone doing that and being funny and finding highlights and all of that stuff all at once.
1: Right. There is no there is no secret formula. I mean, I'm turning around right now, but you can't see it because this is a podcast. <laughs> um, I have I I have two let's see, I've got two TVs Uh, two laptops set up, and then two iPads. And the two laptops can be broken down into quad screens. Sure. So I can I can handle up to like eleven games at once. And the NBA every every Wednesday and Friday sometimes just decides to stack up ten games that start at eight o'clock, and it drives me bananas. Well, and it's
0: better than it used to be because they they've really flattened out the schedule. But when they used to have just like two games on Thursday. There'd um, it would be 14 on right, Friday. De, right. Like every week there'd be 10 to 14. every It's, every ter- Wednesday yeah, it's Friday. terrible. Yeah.
1: So, so how do I, how do I watch them all? I mean, it is something just similar to that scene in the matrix where Neo walks <laughs> into the door and the architect's sitting there in front of all of his TVs. I'm just staring at the TV for seven straight hours waiting for Lance Stevenson to do his little bunny hop and throw a ball through his legs. If I see Lance with the ball, that's going to catch my eye. If, Kyrie's got the ball in an island one-on-one versus Aaron Oflalo in Orlando. That's probably going to catch my eye because I know something <laughs> is coming. Right. So i just kind of trained myself to look for certain kind of lightning rods when it comes – I don't care if uh, I, I, some random dude – If yeah, God bless your soul, Jakob Pertl. If you're <laughs> – Of course, you picked the
0: seven-foot white guy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, poor Jakob Burl's been dunked on like 10 times this year. But, um, you know, when Jakob Burl gets the ball in the post, that's going to be a game that, all right, I only have two eyes and there's eight games on sometimes. I'm going to put my attention somewhere else. But... This being the NBA as well, the the halftime shows and the TV timeouts provide some entertainment that is better sometimes than the games. I have people in my mentions that say I don't even like
0: basketball or the NBA. I just come for like the mascot Now the half they in the the in between the in between quarter and the timeout stuff that people can't see at home. Uh, it sometimes is comedy called. There's no it's, question. it's
1: unreal. Like some of those skits, some some teams do it better than others. But when you see the Portland Trailblazers tic-tac-toe thing go viral and you've got Rocky is the is probably the, one of the best mascots or Benny. Yes. they have these pre-planned skits. Those are the type of things that we highlight on buckets because not everyone has league pass. And right. even if you have league pass, you may not have the version that lets you see the raw in game, you know, uh, Jumbotron TV timeout stuff. Right. So we like to highlight again, that's just one of many segments that we do on the show. And it's it's something new. Unless you're, you're following the Twitter feed, this is our opportunity, our way for us to get it out to you.
0: Now, now obviously, as a huge, I mean, as a basketball guy, I imagine when you found out you were getting, uh, you were going to be on your own show. I imagine that was a pretty mind-blowing thing. But for people uh, who, who aren't, you know, unfortunately for them, because uh, it's great, not aware of, of buckets yet, um, kind of give people uh, – a rundown of what what they should expect from the show, like when when they when they sit down to watch it.
1: Yeah, of course. So this is now we're we're in between our I think technically our second and third season. Um, what we do on the show
0: is our, new Cassidy our- Hubberth, by the way, from ESPN. Just 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 so people know who you're on it with. But.
1: Right. Yeah. So for those people that don't know Cassidy, she does the sideline. She does reporting for ESPN and such, and uh, more importantly, she is my rock onset and offset. So <laughs> and if I if I need like dating advice with somebody, she's my first call every single time. She's able to all the things you see on the Periscope when I'm having my therapy sessions with the comment section, she has, she has become uh, as I'm lying on the couch, she's the one sitting behind me in the chair with the clipboard. <laughs> um, so that's, that's why our relationship works so well is because we're able to take our offset friendship and translate it into on camera which is without a doubt the hardest thing that you can possibly do for sure we've seen we've seen pairs of whether it's Good Morning America the Today show that are clearly they get along great offset but sometimes it doesn't it, you know they feel like they're plugged in or there's kind of suits on camera we don't have that pro- problem because what you see on camera is what goes on when the red light is on and the red light is off in terms of the actual content that we cover, uh, we are not just a basketball culture; we're a lifestyle. That's the mantra. So we cover all things Listen on and to you, off. We're a lifestyle. <laughs> Jesus, yes. I've got that nailed. <laughs> every single time, I've got that mantra down pat. So that, that that is that is what the show is. You may not be in love with basketball, but we're going to give you a reason to. Because we're going to let you watch the game through a lens that you didn't even know was possible whether that is just covering ankle breakers, posterized dunks, funny kiss cams. We also ask the questions, you know, very similar to what Chase Serrano did in his book. We ask those, uh, what is the anatomy of a posterization? What is the most disrespectful act that you can commit on a basketball court? How could you be petty? We will do a class with you called NBA Pettiness 101, and we'll go over ways that you can just get under people's skin. So these aren't things that you would ever really see on a – what was once a major network or something on NBA.com. These are the um, outside the box ways of thinking and watching the game. And that's what ultimately what buckets uh, was, was built to be and has become.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm just still laughing at your, your tagline about the, uh, about it being a lifestyle. I did finger guns. guns like (laughs) As I said it. No, but listen, I think, I think you're right. I mean, look in, in uh, the, I think, the NBA, in a lot of ways, is the perfect sport for the time we're in now, in terms of how people watch stuff, the 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 pace that it moves at, the the amount of just you know amazing off court content we have from people, uh, you know, just the, the outsized personalities are in the sport, and I think that you guys, um, I think you guys really capture that with the show because it is. Um, you know it's like whether it's like your show or guys like the starters on NBA TV like i think um i think the people that get the fact that um there's a lot more to this than just like what happens you know like what the three point percentage is of of a certain player or how somebody scores at the rim but that there's a lot of people out there who are into um who are into a lot of other stuff uh i, I think it really does i think you know it lends to the fact that that people like you and, and, you know, with the show with, you know, you and Cassie and Buckets and like those guys, I think, you know, it's pretty clear that there's a massive audience out there for that kind of stuff. Um, oh, my like, God. For people to like, look at.
1: The, the, the J.R. Smith soup escapade <laughs> is that's our Super Bowl. And there's a pun intended in there. That's our Super Bowl. So when that when that happens, that is bigger than any Kyrie Irving step back in Game Seven. Well, when right, you know, right. Go go ahead. No,
0: no, no. I didn't mean to cut you off, but it it reminded me of something that I wanted to ask you, which was um, the 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 night of the uh, the secret tunnel nonsense in L.A. I was I don't remember where I was, but I was not at home. uh, And I remember I sat up. I think I was at another game and I, I sat up till i don't know how late wherever i was <laughs> writing just a ridiculous recap of uh everything that happened and i i had multiple of your tweets in there i i was it was just a an unbelievable night so like i i wanted to ask you specifically about that night and just what um kind of what your thoughts were uh as you were going through it cuz i i remember like just i remember you at one point tweeting about uh you know, like, you know, this is a night we'll never forget. And you were t- all kinds of just amazing stuff. So I, oh, I was because up. that because that was, was that up. was kind of like, like, it, the, you know, I, I know that there was a pun intended with the Super Bowl line the other day. But like that truly was like the that was you know, yeah, that, that was that, was, that the was Super Bowl before the Super Bowl. Well, well, that was, well, that was also like when you when you think about like what your entire ethos is in terms of like how you approach this and what you're trying to do like that, that checked every single box. you you look at
1: yeah that that night so the game was intense itself but from what I remember that great game that was it was
0: a great great game
1: it was incredible yeah there was was enough pettiness to go around because (laughs) of Chris Paul and Doc Rivers remember
0: Blake Blake running into D'Antoni and trying to do the the Jason Kidd and Mike Woodson play and then pointing you on the court all that stuff it was awesome
1: it's the perfect it's the perfect storm and not just the movie perfect storm it's like the day after tomorrow storm like look at this it's coming from the north and the south and we've got pettiness from the east and disrespect from the left and then all of a sudden you just dump secret tunnels someone has the audacity to tweet out secret tunnels and as soon as you do that that poor i don't even it was probably a rocket's beat reporter didn't know what he was causing because if you didn't even use the word secret, it yeah, probably I think it was so
0: I think it was some it was some TV reporter, I think, in, in L.A. I, I don't even remember who it was, but no, no, it just it was, just it took right. off. It just but at There's... that point, it, like you said, it was all over. The second so, that got out there, it was over.
1: Oh, my God. As soon as she used the word secret tunnel, it was it was <laughs> meme. It was club meme in Key West. Oh, my God. It was every second it was just people with the Jurassic Park scene where they're crawling in the ceiling. Yes. And the Raptor pops up, you know, it's like, oh, my God. I I've, I was up until I looked at the clock and it went from 1:30 to 4:30 and what felt like a blink, but that is what the NBA is all about. That's the big picture. So whether that happens, the soup thing, or even over the summer when you have free agents uh, deciding, that when the Kyrie Irving thing was going down, right? And we didn't we didn't know if he was getting traded or not or what his deal was. We are, and when I'm saying we, like that the buckets comment section. We are uh, investigating – if you so much is like a tweet or you follow someone on Instagram or you watch somebody's Snapchat, we are going to make it the biggest deal because that is what we do. We over every little thing in the NBA, which is why this league has turned into a combination of WWE in days of our lives. It's a soap opera <laughs> that's actual sports. It never stops. We right. can't go to bed without – Kyrie Irving taking a picture standing over an ocean on vacation, which is completely harmless. But how does he tag it? What's his caption? He says... You know, like I'm free finally or something. And right. it's just the biggest subject in the world. Right. But the problem is when you're dealing with the pettiest player in professional sports history and LeBron James, he's so calculated that he's already at the Drake concert ready to tweet something about waves, which he did like six hours later. And then we're following this like, oh, my God, like they're telling they're telling us things. How do people not see this? You know, and we we have to make a major scene out of it. So when something like the secret tunnel happens, we have the foundation in place already because we, we knew about Chris Paul and Blake, maybe not getting along with doc. And we'd always seen the, the rumors, but unless we're analyzing every single word in that quote, there is always hierogly like hierog how do you pronounce that? Hieroglyphics? Hieroglyphics. Cryptic- yeah. <laughs> God, that's a tongue twister. Oh, you got me sweating over here already. So that's ultimately the whole purpose of what our what we are on the Internet, what NBA Twitter is. We even have our own hashtag. I don't see hashtag NFL Twitter. I don't see hashtag NHL Twitter, but I do see hashtag NBA Twitter. And it's because we've become the biggest pl- Internet plague in terms of content on the Internet.
0: If you enjoy this podcast and are interested in learning more about the NBA, you can get my weekly NBA newsletter, the Monday Morning Post-Up, delivered right to your inbox every Monday morning at 8 a.m. To do so, please go to wapo.st slash postupnewsletter to subscribe. You'll get an original column from me, links to my work from the past week, links to work from both my colleagues at the Washington Post and other writers from around the web about the league, a viewing guide for the week ahead, and some dining and pop culture recommendations. Again, to subscribe to the Monday Morning Post Up, please go to wapo. dot slash post up newsletter and start your week off right with everything you need to know about the NBA. Yeah, well, no, that that's definitely true. And ac- and actually, it's funny you mentioned the other sports. I wanted to ask you about that. I mean, how how much do you think that? Um, the, some of the expansion the NBA has had in terms of growing its fan base and kind of growing interest in the sport comes down to the, the way it has, from the beginning, embraced the Internet and embraced social media in ways that, in particular, the NFL. And I think also baseball have not. I mean, those sports – I think baseball now allows some highlights. I can't remember which one it is. I know football doesn't. Um, but, like, the stuff that you're doing, like those sports are probably – you know, if either definitely or probably try to shut down what you're doing because of how they've kind of approached the internet and not letting people see their highlights and not letting people see stuff. Whereas basketball has kind of from the beginning gone the other way and really not, um, really not tried to shut down any of this stuff and allowed it to grow. And I, th- I, in my opinion, I think it's really had a very positive impact on the growth of the sport and brought in a lot of people that it wouldn't have otherwise. And I, I assume given, the way you approach things that you would agree with that.
1: Yeah, definitely. So there's two schools of business thought here with the NHL, the MLB and the NFL clearly have the mindset of they want to control their own content. And I do want to say there's no right or wrong. There's just two ways of doing business here. They want to control their content. They want to own it. They want to sell ads on top of it. And they want to monetize all of their big plays, if you will. That's fine. That's their strategy. But on the other side of the spectrum, you have the NBA that says, you know what, feel free to rip us off and bootleg our our games and we'll control it as we need to. But we're not going to strictly enforce it the same way that these other leagues have been doing. And the purpose for doing that is we see it as free advertising. And what has the result been? Now you have this cult, again, the virtual NBA Reddit type of uh, atmosphere where people are eating, not consuming like shoveling it into their face every single day because (laughs) there's just so much that's available and the NBA being the way that it is it's already engaging to begin with and now that you pour the gas on the fire in terms of here you can use all of this to make a funny meme or to go into Photoshop or Premiere and make a funny video we don't care we're not going to shut you down we see it as you bringing in a new audience for us that wouldn't be here unless we gave you this opportunity. And they technically can't monetize people going viral uh, for a bootleg video. But what they can monetize is new viewers coming in and watching the games or going to NBA.com or buying league pass. So it's there is no right or wrong here, but just being a fan that wants to consume and engage with the brand as much as I do, the strategy that the NBA Uh, has rolled out is without a doubt my the the preference any fan you know wants the ability to be able to share because we're in 2018 you you can't eat breakfast I I just ate a bowl of cereal I feel like I couldn't eat it without putting it on Instagram first because that's the age we live in people want to just share their life experiences and I want to share my NBA experience with the world I can't really do that with other sports at the moment because of those rules but in the NBA no holds barred
0: yeah, no. Listen, I, I think it's been a a huge um, a, a huge boon to the league that it, that from the beginning it's approached it this way. Because you're right. What it's done is for everybody. Our, you're how old are you? You in your early 30s? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, I knew you were. I knew you were around the same age as me. I'm 33. I mean, I knew you were close to the same age as me. Um, yeah. You know, and, and like, yeah, like our age grouping down. This is what. This is the. Um, you know, the basketball is the sport everybody gravitates to. And in part, I I really believe a big part of that is because of the way the sport has made itself so accessible to people. Um, And from, you know, like you said, even if you count the summer, I mean, really from basically late September until August 1st, uh, and you can even push it farther on each end when you look at, like, the Carmelo and, and Kyrie trades from last summer. Basketball's in people's lives every day, and the league allows people to see behind the scenes what's going on every day, whether it's the players, like you said, be, putting themselves out there, whether it's the league allowing, you know, people like you to have fun with their highlights and stuff. Um, I mean, it, it really uh, it really has opened up the league in ways that uh, I think the other, the other leagues are, are going to, I think, regret in the future because they're – They're losing people, I think, because the NBA has allowed, you know, situations like the one you've created where people can go have fun with the sport in the way they can't with those other leagues. And And you get and that's that's really been a big impact, I think.
1: Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. No, no, you get the you're um, you get the if you're an if you're let's say you're just a standard sports fan that has teams across every sports. You don't love one league more than the others, but you wake up at 9 a.m. on a Monday morning. And if you are one of those just straight down the middle sports fans and you see this avalanche of secret tunnel memes, Woj bombs, <laughs> right. this, you're like, you can't avoid it. And you start to – you naturally get FOMO. Like I wish I was up at 2 a.m. when this was going down yes. to be a part of it because I feel like I missed the boat. So this 24-7 culture that the NBA has has generated – Kind of just naturally gravitates people to it because it's the discussion that's always being talked about on the internet. I haven't seen anything about the NFL other than like Saquon Barkley's uh, forty time, you know, right. from this week.
0: Well, that, right, right. Everybody's that's, talking about the guy with the with with one hand. That's like yeah, the the fast stuff. linebacker, right? That's which is the, which is awesome. But like, that's the only thing. Like, you know, I mean, look, even in the week leading, think about the week leading up to the Super Bowl, right? like there's that two week break before the Super Bowl and nobody was talking about it. I mean, I know we're both in the basketball world so it's a little different, but it's not like there was enormous buzz about the Super Bowl, but you had the Marcus Cousins get hurt, you had Andre Robertson get hurt, you had uh, there was uh the Blake Griffin trade was that Monday? Um there there was all kinds of stuff that happened in those two weeks and I, I really feel like um you know, for obviously everybody sat down and watched the Super Bowl that Sunday, but in the two weeks before it, the NBA was was completely dominating the conversation. And a lot of it was, you know, kind of this off-the-court stuff that people um, that people can't get enough of.
1: And NFL fans were – like, that is supposed to be the NFL's week. Right. The media day, that is supposed to be we flex on the <laughs> yes. rest of the world. Yes. And you are getting reporters asking players and coaches, because they're from Detroit, about the Blake Griffin trade. You're like, I don't right. care. Like, it's the Super Bowl week. The <laughs> NBA has – we have – we have become this virus that has just integrated every part of society. NFL fans were so mad; they're like, "This is our week. We don't care about basketball." Were, we're NFL I'm
0: fans, fans actually mad about that? Of course. I mean, people on the internet were. Well, I, know, no, that's like, what I mean. I didn't. I didn't even see that. That's funny. It's that's the NBA. You can't get rid of us
1: now. It's gotten to the point that you're either you have to embrace us or we're going to end up just running over you because we are the 11th biblical plague of Egypt. The first were the <laughs> locust, and then comes NBA Twitter to clean up the ashes. Right. So, you know what? At this point, the NBA has become uh it it has become a lifestyle. You know, I'm not going to drop the mantra again, but it really has because <laughs> that's the first thing many fans do when they wake up is they go to Woj's timeline and see if they missed anything. Did secret tunnels happen? Again? Well, right, They go I to sure your time. And then they the go to your
0: timeline and see if they missed anything funny. <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: right. That's why I'm up until 5 a.m. 4 a.m., 5 a.m. Because I know nothing can happen between the hours that I'm sleeping. But um, that's, that's what the, end. you know, there's been three straight years of, this type of vibe and culture within the league and because of that and it's become so mainstream at this point and you, you do have major networks that are invested heavily in the NBA. So all of the content that comes from that, you know, their studio shows are going to focus on the NBA because of their massive investment in the league itself. It's just impossible to avoid and just being a massive fan of the league. That's a great thing.
0: Yeah, no, listen. I mean, you know, we're both getting paychecks because of the NBA you know, at the end of the day, I mean, I, you know, it's, it's the, the more people that are paying attention to the league or the more people that are going to be looking at our stuff. So I'm, I'm certainly a fan of that. Now, where did the, uh, where did the Adam Silver meme come from as your profile picture?
1: <laughs> oh, this is, a, oh man, this is a story. You know, what's funny is Adam Silver actually went to my high school. Um, so that's, I guess there was a legacy. Oh, so you, okay. So
0: you're from, uh, that makes given, given, uh, given where yeah, your dad wild, worked, it makes sense. You, you were from Westchester County. Right.
1: Right, he went to Rye High. I don't, I don't know the year, but um, Rye High. Before you, it's
0: up... <laughs> safe to say. <laughs> yeah,
1: then he went to then he went to Duke. Unfortunately, but you know what? I'll get over it. But Unless the picture. Never, nobody's itself... perfect. Nobody's perfect. Yeah, no, nobody's perfect. Even the great Adam Silver. <laughs> but um, it, it actually David Stern was my favorite character. I'm a huge uh, WWE Attitude Era guy. You know, I, I was a religious sure. watcher, and I just love characters. I'm shocked
0: by that, by the way, given, given how you look at things. <laughs>
1: I am addicted to just, like, personalities like that, and whether they're good, they're bad, I always find myself pulling for the villain. David Stern is the number one villain of wrestling, of sports, of the world in general. He is just the master puppeteer, and my profile picture originally was Adam Silver. And I've said he's not the Wizard of Oz, he's more like Darth Sidious from— from uh, Star Wars before he puts the cloak on. Oh, so it okay. was the profile picture for years and years. And then he he retired. So I, I had this whole retirement speech that I'm retiring from Twitter as well. But on the third day, Adam Silver, you know, rose from the ground. You know, too many <laughs> religious undertones there. But um, Adam Silver was born and I put the cloak on him saying, I put the, the Star Wars dark side of the force. Uh, that's what that black hoodie is is that he has always been the mastermind behind the scenes. David Stern has been the front guy, but the who negotiated a majority of those CBAs and did the dirty work when it came to law, that was Adam Silver. So we see him as this uh, this front-facing figure that is doing all these great things for the league, and I'm like, I never forgot Adam Silver. I know what you did, and I know what you you are the the emperor versus the Jedi, and I will never forget it. So you know what? That is why the profile picture exists.
0: I mean, that's that's pretty. Uh, I mean, you could have even if you just stopped it. Oh yeah, Adam Silver went to the same high school as me. That would have been good. <laughs> but that, that, was, that was predictably a better story than I uh, I would have anticipated. That's pretty cool. Um it's all good. All right, so let let's uh, let's wrap up with some talk about the Knicks. Uh, part of part anybody who uh, follows your Twitter feed uh, probably can understand that. Uh, it, it's been a tortured existence as a Knicks fan, and undoubtedly has played a role in how you now view things. But uh, I, as somebody who has many, many friends being from New York, who uh, who are Knicks fans and who are long-suffering Knicks fans, uh, what what is the state of um, what is the state of, of of your Knicks fandom, and really of of Knicks fandom in general? Post, um, you know, post the Chris Apps injury and just the the state of the franchise that it's currently in.
1: I hope the listeners here can relate to this Mad Men reference, but it's not great, Bob. It's not great. (laughs) So that's uh, that's what's his face in the elevator. The thing with the Knicks is we've always stunk, and even in 2012, recently when we had the second best team in the East and made the second round of the playoffs. Knicks fans knew that that team with Kenyon Martin, Jason Kidd, who else was on that team? Like Carmelo Anthony, that team wasn't winning. They weren't beating no damn Heat, and they weren't beating no damn Pacers, and they sure as hell weren't beating anybody in the finals. It was a great story. Raymond Felton's, like, breakout year or something, and it was fun to root for. But the Knicks haven't had someone on your team, because in today's 2018 NBA, you can say, if you have LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Anthony Davis, Steph Curry, James Harden. If you have one of those six guys on your team, you have a chance at winning an NBA championship. Now there is a second class, on um, up and coming stars, whether it's again, Antenna Kumbo, Joel Embiid, someone like a Jokic, or you put Kawhi Leonard in there if you'd sure. like to. You know who the fifth player on that team was? Was Kristaps Porzingis. <laughs> if Kristaps Porzingis was on your team, you felt like at some point you are going to have a legitimate chance to win an NBA championship. And the moment he went down with the knee injury, that's what Like we're used to losing. The Knicks schedule goes from August to Christmas Day. Christmas Day is usually when our se- regular season ends. And then when March happens, our next. we're already on to 2019 here because we're <laughs> used to tanking and we like watching these games rooting for our team to lose. This is nothing that's new, so it's not bad. But when you lose Porzingis to a devastating leg injury that we just don't know how he's going to respond to until he comes back, that light, that one thing that we had to grasp onto for the past couple years and for as long as the Knicks were going to continue to have a poor record, it didn't matter as long as we saw the progression in Kristaps Porzingis going from that second team all NBA, you have a chance, to first team all NBA, you have a chance. That's gone. And that's the worst part about it. So as we continue to tank here, it just feels it's a different emptiness than what we're used to. And I'm old enough, thankfully, to have experienced the 90s of Starks, Ewing, Oakley, and even the Allen Houston, Chris Child, Spreewell, LJ days. So even though we never won a championship, uh, I've seen what the magic of the garden can be. And that's the toughest part is what was the the title of the 30 for 30 on ESPN, the garden when the garden was eaten. Uh, it's not going to be, eaten. it hasn't been eaten for a while and it's not going to be eaten for a long time. And it is without a doubt the best atmosphere in basketball when the Knicks are good. And that's the toughest part for me is just that, that basketball is better when the Knicks are good. And when they have just a glimmer of hope, even when they stink with the lens, you saw what happened with Linsanity. That Knicks team was seven games under 500, I think, or five games under 500 when that started and they just took off and it became this global sensation. So, again, I feel like I'm preaching to a therapist here, which you have done <laughs> brilliantly. But um, that's 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 where I'm at with the Knicks It's just it's a different form of depression this year. Because we're not working towards a bigger picture anymore. We're just praying that we're going to get a guy, a seven foot three human with a new kneecap is going to be able to come back and be what he was. I want to believe it's true because so many guys have come back from from knee injuries and such. But forgive me if I have reservations and, you know, we're just going to have to live with with the unknown until he returns. And that's life. As a Knicks
0: fan. Well, and the the crazy thing about it, right, is that the Knicks are already done until at minimum the, the summer of twenty nineteen. Like Porzingis is gonna miss, I would say, at minimum the first four months of next season, right? Yeah, I w- mean you figure out of it at that point too. Right. Well, that's what I mean. Like there's no there's not really any cast space this summer to do anything meaningful. Uh you know, the Knicks are gonna get a top ten pick, so you know, that has the potential to turn into somebody that's worth watching, which will be something for Knicks fans to pay attention to. Um, but, you know, it's not like, it, it's not like there's going to be a chance to contend for anything with him out until, like I said, at minimum, the All-Star break, probably. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't even play at all next season. Um, now, that's
1: what I was saying. I don't think he plays because right. by the time he's ready to come back, he'll maybe play like a game or two. Get a, get a,
0: get a handful of games. Minutes. Exactly. Yeah. It'll be a glorified, glorified practice
1: because he'd be working out anyway. Right. You kind of get him in there to see if he can kind of return, and you get him out because right. the Knicks are thirty games under five hundred. And he doesn't
0: want to get hurt. Um, he doesn't want to get hurt ahead of um, uh, you know, going into free agency the following summer. Uh, you know, the Knicks don't want him to have any any setbacks. So, um, you know, it is. Uh, it is it is very interesting, you know. Our, it, from a from a long term building standpoint, it's interesting because the Knicks now have a chance to do something, you know, maybe that they wouldn't have done otherwise, which is truly rebuild through the draft for a couple of years. Which is something that I think uh, anybody who is rooted for the team has been hoping they would do for literally decades years. now. Um, I mean I mean it it, it is uh, one of uh, one stat that my my buddy Jared Dubin uh, uh another you know like you a lifelong Knicks fan likes to bring up uh the last the la do you know the do you know actually you might, you might not even know this do you know who the last Knicks first round pick to get a second contract from the Knicks is Charlie Ward Charlie Ward I should have known you would know that uh Charlie Ward was drafted in the first round in I believe 1994 Yes that sounds about right or was he was he on maybe was he on the uh, was he on the title? Know. He was he on the final team? He might have been. Let's see.
1: Yeah. Uh, he, he was drafted the...
0: in nineteen ninety-four. Right. Yeah. So it's been twenty-four years since the Knicks drafted a player that they would uh <laughs> give a second first a second contract to. And it doesn't look it looks like it's gonna be uh it doesn't look like Frank Nilakin is going to be the first guy, uh given the way they've already started to move on from him. So, I mean it, right. it is unbelievable when you look at um how long it's been that this franchise has avoided doing that. So I do think that in, uh, in, in some senses, you know, the injury could wind up being a blessing in disguise. But uh, assuming Chris Ass comes back healthy and is all right. But uh, obviously for Knicks fans that have been, you know, wandering in the wilderness for decades now, uh, hoping for their team to finally show some level of consistency and promise, uh, it was pretty crushing to see, see him do that and, and see him go down like that and know that, you know, for the next year and a half, you're just biding time waiting to see what the future looks like.
1: That's the worst part is in the NBA, first place is winning the championship second place to fans is getting the first overall draft pick in the upcoming draft everywhere else in between is just meeting. You don't want to be mediocre from a fan standpoint. Is right. there a benefit to getting the eight seed going 500 on the year and then getting swept in the finals? You can make the argument that, yeah, it's, it's important that your young players get that playoff experience and they get used to the bright lights. But the last place you ever want to be is we don't have an action plan for the next Year or two years because you're locked up with either mediocrity or bad contracts. And when you sign Joe Kim Noah and you've done all these things that the Jerome back to the Jerome James and Marbury's and Francis and McGrady, Allen Houston deal, it's every three years. You want to believe when the Knicks have the opportunity to finally reset, which they had. They go out and they sign Derek Rose and they go out and they sign Qu- Courtney. Courtney Lee's been fine. But when you dedicate the entire salary cap, you are shoving in your chips. There's no more chips to play. So you better as hell have an, a championship-ready squad with that team. And the Knicks continue to think they do, which is their biggest problem Maybe it's because they have tickets to sell. Maybe because Madison Square Garden is a public tra- public traded company, they have certain numbers to meet that requires them to put a playoff ready but won't win a championship team on the floor. I don't know what those reasons are, but what I can tell you is that Knicks fans are dogs chasing cars. The thrill thrill is in the chase. What happens when you actually catch the car? It's like, what do you do? Lick the bumper, and then you move on to the next car. So you know what? I love it. I'm going to be here every day, and I'm going to drown in my own sorrow because when the day actually happens that the Knicks win the championship, it will not only be the best day in many people's lives, including myself, but it will be a day that it'll be the peak we will never match it again so as much (laughs) as i want it to happen i enjoy chasing it and i love sixers fans thinking that they have figured out this magic trust the process formula that the that now they get to make fun of Knicks fans for the next five years. I love every minute of it because when the Knicks get good, this hashtag Knicks Twitter is the most insufferable group of fans you will ever run into, and we will come out of the ground like the Undertaker Survivor <laughs> Series. You're going to see the hand come out of the dirt, and we are coming for you and your entire family. Drop, drop in the mic on that one.
0: Uh, I uh, All I know is that I have a lot of friends in New York who already – uh, drive me insane, asking me, uh, asking me questions about like, can the Knicks sign? Le- you know, when you know is LeBron coming to the Knicks this summer? Uh, you know, can they can they trade uh, like Tim Hardaway and Neil Kena for Kawhi? Like, you know, st- questions like this. So, if the Knicks ever are good, I mean, yeah, I mean Run. people. Run. I mean, the funny thing is, is somebody who worked in New York for a long time. And you know, everybody kind of just blanketly assumes that the Yankees are the biggest team in New York, but um, I can assure anyone who hasn't spent a lot of time in New York or doesn't know a lot of people from there, the Knicks are the biggest team in New York by a longer. thousand a thousand yeah. yards. It's not even yeah. it's not even close. And like all these other sports, there were multiple teams. And no offense to the Nets, who were in East Rutherford and bounced around, and now they're in Brooklyn. I think eventually the Nets are going to build up a nice little. Uh, thing if they continue to operate like the way they are right now, which I think is pretty smart, and I think they 'll build a good team and new York New York fans are attracted to a winner, and I think eventually they 'll grow a decent fan base. but for basically seventy years, the Knicks were the only team in New York, and uh that led to them completely dominating the the landscape there and you know if 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 they do ever win a title i mean the the amount of deification that will come for the people involved with that is. I can't even I can't even describe it. It will probably be even bigger than like the Cubs and the and the Red Sox for people. Like they were, they were
1: greasing poles in Philly for the Super Bowl. Right. You're have to
0: grease skyscrapers. <laughs> to the people will be climbing the Empire State Building. I mean, it is it is really it, it. I really can't describe what it would be like if they ever do finally get good again because their fans. I mean, I mean, Knicks fans are already crazy now, and the team has had one playoff victory this one playoff series victory this century. I mean, if they, yeah. if they ever get back to be a consistent winner again, all bets are off because it, it, will, be, uh, it, will, it will truly be insane. How, Your how lips to God's ears, my friend. <laughs> all right. Well on, that, well, on that note, I'll let you run. But, but Rob, I appreciate you doing this, man. Uh, let people know. Uh, I'm sure everyone already finds out, follows you on Twitter, or if not, they should. But let them know where that is and, and also give them all the information they need on, uh, on Bucket so they can go watch it, uh, the funniest show on TV.
1: For sure. If, if you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at world underscore wide underscore WAB. Uh, the show, which again is co-branded by Cycle and ESPN can be found on uh, its Facebook watch page. And we are going to be actually coming back uh, live soon for the third season. And if you don't know anything about Cycle, uh, Cycle is a network which makes just creative stuff. Right. If you're ever interested in uh, just this outside the box concept that we we allude to, that's what we do at Cycle. We work with brands. We do hoops. We do the show. We do all sorts of different content. So um, it's a it's a change of pace, which I think a lot of people would enjoy. And other than that, uh, the the mantra is not only the lifestyle thing I said before, but we like to say, "Stay petty
0: and get buckets, (laughs) or die trying." And that's it. That's a pretty good summation, I think. That's a pretty good summation of the whole thing. So, Rob, I appreciate this, man. Thank you, and uh, I'll talk to you soon.
1: Sounds great. Thanks for having me. All
0: right. Thanks again to Rob for doing the podcast. Do yourself a favor. If you don't follow him somehow and listen to this podcast, please go uh, find him on Twitter and and follow his work. Uh, Check out Buckets with Cassidy. He's one of the funniest people in the basketball universe. He does a great job. Um, I, I can't you know, recommend him following him enough. It, it makes makes the nightly basketball experience a lot better. So uh, thanks for his time and, and make sure to go check out his work. As for me, you can find me on Twitter at Tim Bontemps, on Facebook at Tim Bontemps NBA and the pages of the Washington Post or on our website at washingtonpost.com slash sports. Please go find Posting Up wherever you can get it on the internet. Um, give us a five-star rating and review. You can go to Apple Podcasts, go to Stitcher, go to Radio Public, go to Tuning Google Play. Uh, it's a bunch of spots. Please go find it and, and support us with a five-star rating interview. It really helps a lot. Thank you to Glenn Yoder in the Western States for the theme music for the podcast. Glenn is a, the NBA editor at The Post, good friend of mine, big Mavs fan, uh, trying to survive at the end of the season. Hopefully they win, they get a good spot in the lottery and make his misery this year worth it. But definitely go check out his work uh, with the band and go check out their stuff. They, they do a great job seeing them in concert. Definitely worth seeing. Also, be sure to go look at the rest of our podcasts over at the Washington Post. Uh, Constitutional just wrapped up recently. Um, there's Letters from War, which is a new one that's really good. There's a bunch of really good stuff there. Uh, be sure to go check it out at washingtonpost.com slash podcast. Thank you again to Rob for coming by the pod. Really appreciate it. Hopefully going to have at least another one this week. Um, shifting into doing the NSA tournament the next couple weeks. So hopefully have some content on that for you guys coming up. Uh, a lot of stuff going on in and around the basketball world these days, and we'll be all over it. So Thanks as always for listening. We'll talk to you all again soon.